Now, the Three Martini Lunch with Greg Columbus and Jim Garrity. And welcome, everyone, to the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch, along with Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. We have good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives today, all of it brought to you by Stamps.com. Right now, Three Martini Lunch listeners can get a special offer that includes a four-week trial of Stamps.com, plus free postage and a digital scale. So many things, and you do not have to go to the post office nearly as much anymore. Uh, Jim, before we get to the good martini, your real good martini today is that the Jets get Le'Veon Bell. So the New York Jets are looking a lot like a Pro Bowl team, only that plays defense. Yeah, uh, I was going to say there's nothing like having... Uh, look, free agency is when you go out and you get the players you really would have loved to have had about two or three years ago. <laughs> and you hope they're still good. If, if you're playing Madden with this roster, you know, two, three seasons ago, you'd be doing super duper terrific. Let's point out that uh, there was a point yesterday afternoon. I don't know if you're following me on Twitter. If so, why? <laughs> uh, but... Uh, you know, the one of the Jets signings, a linebacker bar from uh, Minnesota, decided that he woke up and felt physically sick about the thought of joining the Jets <laughs> and reneged on his verbal deal, did not sign the contract, went back to Minnesota, uh, missed out on two of the top centers. and The Jets really needed one of those. One signed with the uh, Sterling powerhouse of the Buffalo Bills and the, uh, you know, because, you know, we all know at the end of it. It's really the climate that brings players to Buffalo. Sure. Right? Uh, that and the other one signed with Carolina, another non-playoff team. Um, so a bunch of you – know, it's not like these guys are all, well, I'll take less money to go play for New England because I really want to get a ring. <laughs> you know, The Jets were offering more money and losing out on these guys. But they've got Le'Veon Bell, and as I put it this morning, we have the, uh, the most highly touted and slightly cracked Bell since the one in Philadelphia – I can't wait to tease all of my Pittsburgh Steelers fans saying that because of their effective cost and money management, they win the Nobel Prize. <laughs> and you're also in a better mood than Giants fans today, but uh, we'll, we'll, ah! we'll get to that a, a different time. Uh, Jim, let's get to our good martini now. And uh, Politico actually ran the math, uh, which is nice of Politico to do, on how the, the left wants to soak the rich and how close that comes or not, to paying for what they actually want to do. So, here's Politico. There are many reasons a direct tax on wealth might not work. First, rich people have a wide range of tax avoidance schemes. Second, it's hard to measure wealth in order to assess tax levels, especially assets like art. On top of that, there are legal and constitutional questions about targeting a particular demographic. Even in places where they've been tried, like Europe, wealth taxes have largely been abandoned. According to a law professor at the University of Chicago, quote, a wealth tax could raise a lot of revenue unless it raises absolutely zero. This guy was a former clerk for Justice Kagan. He says, I've got much less confidence in the constitutionality of a wealth tax than I did that Hillary Clinton would get elected. Now, these lefty economists who are on board with what the uh, Elizabeth Warrens and uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortezes of the world want to do out at Berkeley say that if this works just right, Elizabeth Warren's plan could raise $2.75 trillion over a decade the only problem is Medicare for all would cost $32 trillion and the Green New Deal anywhere from, what is it, 52 to $94 trillion. So, Jim, uh, the math is not adding up, and uh, you don't usually see Politico necessarily dumping buckets of cold water on the Democratic agenda. But the facts are the facts, and they pointed them out here. Good job. 
Yeah, and it'll be interesting. You know, here we are at a point with a debt that is twenty-two trillion. We're adding about a trillion a year right now uh, in the Trump presidency, and this is at a time when the economy is doing pretty darn well. Unemployment is low. People are paying income taxes, and uh, the numbers are still not good in terms of spending and taxation. And now you're seeing a whole bunch of folks insist, no, no, we can, you know, not just the traditional big spending stimulus, infrastructure, that sort of thing. Now we can have way bigger, much more ambitious, wide-ranging Medicaid for all and Green New Deal. And it, you know, um, Now, look, there's always been a little bit, at least some element of unrealistic politi- uh, promises in politics. This is nothing new, but it is kind of a new dimension here. And I do kind of like, at some point, you want to sit down with the American electorate and say, look, you're kind of in an abusive relationship here. You keep falling for the wrong guy. And, you know, in some cases, the wrong gal. You keep believing people who tell you, I'm going to deliver the world. I'm going to make all your problems better. This is all going to be terrific. And, And here's the part that's really a kicker. It won't cost you anything, which is the real nonsense, which is the real problem. But the second thing is also... It's going to be easy. I was recently having an expert with somebody uh, who knew quite a bit about uh, U.S.-Turkish politics and U.S.-Turkish relations. People may recall I lived there a couple of years, about a, God, more than a decade ago. And we have the observation that if you want, if the U.S. government wants the Turkish government to do some, a particular goal, let's say uh, be nicer to the Kurds, stop threatening to invade them every now and then across the border, stop oppressing a human right, take any, any one particular goal where you want another country to do something. It's difficult. It's complicated. There's not a button. It's not a giant machine where there's a button where you say, press this button and Turkey will be nicer to the Kurds. Just, just getting this one particular goal, the Turkish government's got its own kinds of uh, its own internal politics, its own pressures, its own factions, uh, its own policies, the question of, you know, who's in charge of what in the legislature, who's, you know, you know, just achieving that one goal would require a significant amount of effort. And even then, there's no guarantee that you can succeed. It may ultimately be that the Turks simply don't see being nice to the Kurds as being in their interest, that they have a national security priority that involves making sure the Kurds don't thrive across their border or else the Kurds within Turkey might decide they want to have their own country. And before you know it, they'd be fighting their own internal civil war. So they're just never going to do it. And we were just observing that when you're a politician, you know, this is in somebody who, who handles this stuff in terms of being a policy analyst, a politician doesn't want to hear any of that. And Lord knows the American public doesn't want to hear any of that. They just want to say, tell us which button we have to press to get the outcome we want. And that's not how government works. There is no so there is no simple button where you press it and you never have to worry about your healthcare costs ever again. There is no simple button you press where you never have to worry about climate change ever again. Uh, there is no simple button you press to what was that phrase in the talking points, Greg? Those unwilling to un, unwilling to work, yes, still get a happy, comfortable life. I mean, you know, none of these things are as simple as they want, and some of it might be. Maybe you shouldn't have a real estate mogul and reality TV star running the show, but you also probably shouldn't have a former bartender. Not that there's anything wrong with bartenders, but these things aren't as simple as they make them seem. And at some point, it's up to the American people to wake up and say, "Hey, you know what? No, you're not going to be able to pay for the health care of every single person in America." just by, quote-unquote, increasing taxes on the rich or a millionaire's tax or something. like It's just not going to work out that way, folks. Um, no matter how much you, you know, uh, Ben Shapiro's fond of saying facts don't care about your feelings. You know what else doesn't care about your feelings, Greg? What? Math. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Boy, did my math teacher tell me that over and over again. <laughs> and even 
if we redefine who rich is, because if you soak the rich enough, the next rung down becomes the rich. And if you soak them too, no matter how many people you deem to be rich and soak them, it's still not going to be enough. But nobody wants to admit that. But Politico yeah, has. The is the old saying, Greg. It's soakable rich all the way down. <laughs> all right. And so if you are taxed to the hilt, you might not have enough money to even send a letter. Postage rates have gone up again. Thankfully, Stamps.com can ease the pain with big discounts off post office retail rates. With Stamps.com, you save $0.05 cents off every first-class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail. That kind of savings really adds up, especially for your small business. Plus, Stamps.com is completely online, which saves you time. No more of those inconvenient trips to the post office. Stamps.com automatically calculates and prints the exact amount of postage that you need for every letter or package you send. You will never overpay or underpay again. Stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your fingertips. You can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, or any class of mail using your own computer and printer. They make it easy. They send you a free digital scale that automatically calculates the exact postage you need. It'll even help you decide the best class of mail based upon your needs. Stamps.com saves you money. They give you postage discounts that you can't get at the post office, including five cents off of every first class stamp. And anything you can do at the post office, you can now do from your desk for less. Right now, three Martini Lunch listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial of Stamps.com, plus free postage and that digital scale that Jim mentioned. See for yourself why over 700,000 small businesses Use Stamps.com. All you have to do to start the free trial is go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in 3Martini. That's Stamps.com. Click on the microphone, top of the homepage, and enter 3Martini. All right, Jim. Some people write letters to explain things, perhaps. And Lisa Page was explaining not too long ago what was happening in the FBI and beyond uh, during the 2016 campaign. Last year, she testified in closed session uh, before Congress. I'm guessing it was probably the House Intel Committee, but uh, the Washington Examiner reporting on what Lisa Page had to say. Page said, and they're quoting now, uh, it said, Comey and the FBI spoke with uh, the Justice Department about a gross negligence charge for Hillary Clinton multiple times. This is about the classified information in, in her emails and how she uh, kept them on that private, unsecured server. But that the DOJ consistently pushed back on it. Quote, we had multiple conversations with the Justice Department about bringing a gross negligence charge. And that's, as I said, the advice that we got from the department was that they did not think that it was constitutionally vague and not sustainable. Congressman John Ratcliffe of Texas asked if the decision not to charge Clinton with gross negligence was a direct order from the DOJ. Quote, when you say advice you got from the department, you're making it sound like it was the department that told you you're not going to charge gross negligence because we're the prosecutors and we're telling you we're not going to, he said. Page responded, that's correct. Uh, also, uh, James Baker, not the former Secretary of State, but the former FBI general counsel, uh, said he looked at this very carefully and said the government could not establish beyond a reasonable doubt that Hillary had the intent necessary to violate the law. And we've talked about many times that the statute says you don't have to have the intent. But the bigger issue here, Jim, is that in his grandiose egotistical press conference in July of 2016, then FBI Director Jim Comey uh, laid out this whole train of, uh, of violations by Hillary Clinton and then scoffed at the idea that any serious person would even consider filing charges against her for what she's done. 
Turns out, if we're to believe Lisa Page, that there were more than a few people at the FBI who thought that very thing. Yeah, there's one other wrinkle to all this, uh, Greg, which is that, you know, that the person who, who does the Department of Justice accountable to? Well, the U.S. Attorney General. Uh, Loretta Lynch, July 1st, 2016. She's speaking at the Aspen Ideas Festival in Colorado. Um, probably the second best ideas-focused event of the year, well behind the National Review Ideas Summit, which, oh, by the way, is coming up. Uh, pardon me, Greg. Um, the shock collar from uh, Jack Fowler was acting up, so I needed to mention that. But anyway, Lynch is at this event. She says, I fully expect to accept their recommendations. I will be accepting their recommendations and their plans for going forward regarding the FBI. No, she didn't. <laughs> if you're telling people, yeah, we're not going to do that, you're not accepting their recommendations. I think we all kind of had this sneaking suspicion. In fact, there was a lot of discussion during this. Um, back in my time when I was a little bit more sympathetic to Comey, my, my understanding of the, my sense of the press conference was like, look, if I give this to Loretta Lynch and I don't talk about it, it's going to end up in the waste paper basket. She's never going to give it a moment's thought. There's no way that Obama's Department of Justice is going to pursue an indictment of Hillary Clinton uh, two or three weeks before the uh, Democratic National Convention that officially makes her the, the nominee of the party. And that this was Comey's way of putting it out there, letting the American people make their own decisions and working around the fact the attorney general had basically, you know, um, without directly saying so, made clear that this was not going to happen. Now it's kind of hard to give Comey the, the benefit of the doubt. And again, the, the fix was in from the beginning. It was very clear that this was, you know, look, you, we're not pursuing this. You, you're going to need the, you know, not just a smoking gun, but a smoking crater before we'll even pursue this. This is something that the Senate Judiciary Committee uh, needs to dig into because Greg called me crazy. I just have a feeling the House Judiciary Committee is just not going to be all that interested in, in the coming months. No, not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah, they got, they got other stuff to work on. The impeachment that Nancy Pelosi says is going nowhere. <laughs> yes, exactly right. And did you notice that uh, Tlaib has said they're absolutely pushing forward, just like we suggested yesterday. So get the popcorn ready. All right, on to the crazy martini now, Jim. And this narrowly lost out to the uh, celebrity admissions scandal people yesterday. But we cannot let this go undiscussed. UK Guardian with the totally not hysterical headline, Birth Strikers, Meet the Women Who Refuse to Have Children Until Climate Change Ends. A movement of women have decided not to procreate in response to the coming climate breakdown and civilization collapse. Into the story now. As soon as Blythe Papino got together with her partner Joshua two years ago, she felt, quote, this overwhelming urge to create a family with him. I think it was the fifth day after having met him, I said. I've got to meet your parents. He was like, you're mad. Then late last year, she attended a lecture held by the direct action group Extinction Rebellion, which set out starkly the catastrophic reality of the changing climate. That galvanized Pepino to do research of her own and eventually to have a series of sad conversations with Joshua. Quote, I realized that even though I wanted to have a family at that point, I couldn't bring myself really to do it, she says. I had to say to him, I don't know if I can do this considering what we know. If there isn't a political will to fix this, we really don't stand much of a chance. Pepino, now 33, found that other women, especially those in climate-conscious circles, were struggling with the same question, but she now feels emboldened because Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez brings it up. So now she's uh, declared an organization called Birth Strike, a voluntary organization for women and men who have decided not to have children in response to the coming climate breakdown and civilization collapse. And so they're obviously doing this to try and urge politicians to take a more active role in helping to stave off climate change. So, Jim, there's a lot of conservatives on Twitter saying, wow, a lot of lefties don't want to procreate. 
What a shame. Uh, what's your so, reaction here? My first thought upon hearing all of that, Greg, is Joshua, run. <laughs> I'm sorry it's not working out. Maybe she seemed great. But I think if, if this leads to the, the, your relationship not working out, um, there are other fish in the rapidly rising seas. <laughs> and uh, you, this, this probably, if, if you really want to have children and this woman is willing to let you know, the headlines decide, oh, no, I can't do this. Um, you, you probably are going to be better off with somebody else. Uh, secondly, so I understand uh, Extinction Rebellion. Greg, so this group is rebelling against extinction by refusing to procreate. <laughs> have, have they consulted a dictionary or, ha- or have they taken a look at how the process works? Because if you want to go extinct, not procreating is really the simplest easiest way to make sure that happens um look you know you, you know this is i won't even shoehorn in a, a blurb or a, or a a touting heavy lifting here i was gonna observe look, this is probably one of the most important consequential and uh, uh biggest decisions you're gonna make in life is whether you want to have children um the vast majority of parents would say despite what some ninny on twitter might tell you um that it's the greatest thing they've ever done the most rewarding thing they've ever done um, you know, why, why would you deny yourself that because of, you know, some ninny? I mean, th- these folks know that people had children during the Black Death, right? I assume uh, so. During World War II, <laughs> during the Hundred Years' War, the War of the Roses, the Black Plague. Um, humanity has been through some really tough times before, and you know what we did? We had a certain way of relieving stress. Uh, during those tough times. And lo and behold, nine months later, babies came along. So, you know, people have had this sense of, you know what, life is going to be better for my kids through the absolute darkest possible times. Um, Now, the two things that I'm thinking about, the the other last two thoughts here, Greg, is, you know, back in the early 90s, there was this CBS made-for-TV movie called The Fire Next Time, which was taking place in a, it probably was the distant future of like a few years behind now greg <laughs> you know probably the distant future of 2010 um in which you know the world was dealing with uh, global warming and uh, there were some parts that were kind of eerily prophetic a really bad storm uh destroying you know doing huge damage in places like louisiana um i believe everyone was trying to get to canada and there was really strict border control in canada which some people might chuckle uh, about the irony there. I also believe there was a story about Alaska seceding was a was a major plot line. But one of the subplots was Craig T. Nelson was the dad. I think Bonnie Bedelia um, was the wife. And let me tell you, you know, any movie that's got Bonnie Bedelia as a wife in trouble, you and I are just naturally <laughs> going to be, you know, attuned to. Um, and I believe the teenage daughter at one point runs off with this eco-cult and the green environmental, but the dad has to rescue her, kind of talk her out of joining because, or she, she has second thoughts about it because the cult believes in um, sterilizing people, that, that there should not be any additional children, having too many people's exacerbating climate change, yada, yada, yada. And this is what convinces her. Um, the, you know, you know, interesting note that they got that right. I guess we've always had Malthusians around. Um, look, if you choose to not have kids, that's your business, your decision. And, you know, great. Just don't tell me what I can do with my family. Um, that's the kind of thinking you end up with China. Um, and then finally, just one last thought is, you know, human beings are not just, you know, resource suckers. They, they actually 
add things to the world. They actually come up with innovation and ideas. What if your child is the one who's going to invent cold fusion or some other fascinating new form of technology that won't pollute the atmosphere? Um, and that child will not be born because you've chosen not to have them because you're attempting to rebel against extinction by not procreating. Um, I mean, you know, the, the probably the strongest argument here, Greg, is that if you're if you're rebelling against extinction by not procreating, these are not the sharpest knives in the drawer, and we are not uh, missing out on all that much. <laughs> Fascinating. Fascinating. I knew you would not disappoint on that one. Jim, have a great day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Don't forget to head over to our friends at Stamps.com. Get that four-week trial plus free postage and the digital scale. Stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in the keyword three martini. Tune in again on Thursday for the next three martini lunch.